Welcome back to The Word is Resistance, a podcast exploring what our sacred texts have to teach us about living, surviving, and thriving in the context of empire, violence, and repression. What do our sacred stories have to teach us as white people about our role in resistance, in showing up, in liberation? My name is Blythe Barno, and this is a project of Surge Faith and Surge Action. This podcast is designed to be a resource for white people who realize that to be Christian in this time and in this country requires joining in the struggle against racism and white supremacy. A little bit about me. I'm a queer white femme who was raised working class in Ohio and now lives on the occupied Ohlone land known as Oakland, California. I'm a writer, preacher, and community organizer, and I learned what I know about the sacred from harm reductionists, survivors, sex workers, and working class grandmas, my community. You can learn more about me at feminary.com. The scripture I'm going to be responding to today is Luke chapter 9, verses 28 to 36. I always like to read the scripture so we know more clearly what we're really dealing with. So here we go. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. People refer to this story as the transfiguration. And I know there's a lot of powerful theological themes to pull out of the story, but I just keep thinking about Palestine. In January of 2016, I was able to travel to Jordan, Palestine, and Israel with a group from my seminary. The day I went to Mount Tabor, I had an incredible tour guide. We met her that morning in Nazareth, and she traveled with us to various holy sites. I remember her name, but I can't tell it to you. Instead, I will call her Aya. To tell her name and this story together is dangerous for her. 
so I'll simply say that she is Palestinian by birth and Israeli by citizenship. I'll tell you that she studied for years to become a tour guide, and that in Israel all tour guides must be licensed by the Israeli Ministry of Tourism. When I met her, I was struck by her composure. She was brilliant. She had an answer for every question. But she was guarded, too. I felt it every time someone asked about the occupation, and she answered the question with words that didn't seem to be hers. I remembered that sometimes composure is simply a thin cage of steel wrapped around a heart and a truth. I was on a trip with my seminary learning about homeland and displacement. That day we'd gone to the Sea of Galilee where Jesus supposedly walked on water, and we stood in the spot where the Beatitudes were delivered. We were in a land of miracles that I never understood to be real. I didn't grow up in the church. For me, the Bible was never literal. It was a collection of stories. It was a teaching tool. In my desire to resist fundamentalism, I had inadvertently removed the Bible from its context entirely, which is to say that I took the Bible out of Palestine and made it an abstraction of my moral imagination. But places like Mount Tabor are real. It's the mountain where the where the transfiguration is said to have taken place, although they can't know that for sure. It's where Jesus took Peter, John, and James and revealed something true about himself, the place where they came to know their spiritual ancestors in a new way. I still don't know if the story is real, but the mountain is. It's 30 minutes from Nazareth and 11 miles from the Sea of Galilee, they're real too. Aya scheduled our day so we would arrive at sunset. A pinkish blue hung over the cathedral, rays of light stretching over what was once called rural Palestine. Aya was different than she had been in the morning. Her breath seemed freer, her shoulders more at ease. We had earned some small amount of her trust. Earlier that day, she'd told us about being reported to the Ministry of Tourism. She'd been leading a tour at an outdoor site, and someone asked a question. In her reply, she included information about Palestinian history. Someone overheard her and called the Ministry of Tourism to report her. That information was not approved, and so she was not allowed to share it. She was not allowed to speak her own history. She'd been formally reprimanded and almost lost her job. Aya's parents are Palestinian Christians who fled Nazareth during the war in 1948. Like many, they thought they'd be safe there. In fact, most of the residents of Nazareth are Palestinian, internal refugees from the war, the Nakba, the catastrophe. I asked her if she was treated differently because she was Palestinian. No. She said, I'm not seen as Palestinian because to them, Palestine does not exist. I was horrified. But then I remembered that a week before, I had not treated places like Bethlehem, Jericho, or Nazareth like they were real either. Instead, instead I treated them like extensions of a metaphor, 
settings for hymns and Sunday school stories. This is what white supremacy does. It is bleach, sanitizing, corrosive, degrading. White supremacy is a violent distortion of memory. It is why I did not understand the connection between a whitewashed Jesus and the occupation of Palestine. It is how I could criticize the state of Israel without recognizing Christian Zionism in my own church. It is how I could call myself a Christian without knowing Palestinians as my spiritual ancestors. White supremacy. It is preaching disfiguration and calling it transfiguration. We must learn the difference. Because there is a light, a truth in Palestine, so brilliant such as no one on earth could bleach it. That night I hugged Aya in front of our hotel. She pulled me close, tears in her eyes, and whispered softly in my ear, Tell everyone what you have seen here. Do not let us be forgotten. If you are interested in learning more about the occupation of Palestine, I encourage you to check out the Kairos-Palestine movement. They're a Christian-Palestinian movement born out of the Kairos document, which advocates for ending the Israeli occupation and achieving a just solution to the conflict. The Kairos document is the word of Christian Palestinians to the world about what is happening in Palestine. They say, Our word is a cry of hope with love, prayer, and faith in God, we address it first of all to ourselves and then to all the churches and Christians in the world, asking them to stand against injustice and apartheid, urging them to work for a just peace. Thank you for joining us today. Let us know what you think about today's episode by commenting on our SoundCloud or Facebook pages. As always, you can find a transcript of this week's podcast, including links to resources and copyright information on our website. The music you heard is a live recording of a song gifted to the freedom movement by Dr. Vincent Harding. We are building up a new world. The group you hear singing is No Enemies a multiracial group of activists and musicians in Denver, Colorado, who come together for movement choir practice to bring singing back into direct actions and other movement spaces. This particular choir practice is led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. We're deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for allowing us to use the song for the podcast. You can find out more about Surge at showingupforracialjustice.org. To find our podcast again, simply search for The Word is Resistance on SoundCloud or iTunes. 
Be sure to tune in next week when we'll have a brand new episode. Until then, may you go forward in the peace and power of a God who loves us for all that we are, and in spite of nothing, the same God that calls us to the work of justice. Amen.